Orlando Sentinel critic Roger Moore describes this movie as a sometimes heavy-handed sermon about political apathy among the youth. The stakes of media collusion with government and the fog of war is almost certain to scare off the people it is intended to reach. Peter Rainier of the Christian Science Monitor says it carries a full head of steam that is indistinguishable from a lot of hot air. And Roger Ebert tosses in a suggestion worthy of this very podcast, saying it can be presented about as well as a radio play. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Lions for Lambs. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoof Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. Welcome to Ruined Childhoods. Hey, Dan, how's it going? I'm going, it's go, I'm going well, I'm John. Going I am going, I am going well. It is, it is going well. <laughs> Speaking is not, is, it hopefully will go better considering, considering, consideringly, what, what, consideringly, consideringly of what we are doing this evening, <laughs> talking about a movie that is very much talking. Right. So in Lions for let Lambs. Me, let me just uh, kind of carve a pathway for people who are maybe a yes. little confused why a, a, a podcast that has spent 156 episodes talking about mostly cult and classic movies. And then here we are talking about the 2007 uh, war question mark drama Lions for Lambs. And here's here's where things go. At the end of this episode, you're going to hear a song that is very much in like referencing this movie and it made me want to do cover this episode to be able to like access this song but it is the first episode in March of 2022 yes and so it fits in with our theme of vaguely march related episode uh, lions well, of course you know the the old adage um that march comes in like a lion and out like a lamb and that's so that's what we're doing our you, you know and of course we we began february with silence of the lambs so that's true yeah. that that one's out but uh, you know for the the rest of our our month we're going to kind of stick loosely to the to those march I- ideas um you know we're not going to be as firm as as firm with it but there will be a a, a smidgen of march a sprinkling of march throughout yeah. The films that 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 we choose, uh, and remember to you know keep your uh, you know ears open for for hints as to uh, as to what the uh, what our next uh, episode is going to is going to focus on. Those hints sometimes they're 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 tiny. They might get they might right. slip away. They might get away from you a little bit. Yeah, and sometimes uh, that that happens. Yeah. So Dan, you just said something about uh, you know keeping your ears open and. Uh, I I want to share a, a you can't story. close your ears. I want to I, mean, I want to okay. share a story from my childhood. I don't know where you would. I mean, you would have probably been in high school when this was happening, but or maybe like you stayed with somebody else. But there. So for anybody uh, who's listening who doesn't know, Dan and I are brothers, and we grew up in the same household. And uh, at one point, when I was a kid our parents went out of town for like a week or so on some sort of vacation and i don't know the details and we had a uh like a a live-in babysitter for a week a woman whose name i believe was mrs middleman is this ringing any bells for you dan are you thinking is it that that like that old lady she loved watching she... jeopardy there was an who could blame I remember her by were... the way i well yeah no jeopardy's awesome she was probably uh, in her was... 60s there was an older lady. She lived next to my childhood friend Michael Margatich. Uh, okay, and I remember she stayed with us like once or twice. Yeah, I, I did not like her. Oh no, I didn't care for her much either. She's a listener. Hi. Anyway, no, I feel like that. But let me tell I, you, if she's still alive, like I, chances applause. are, yeah. Uh, so I. Uh, 
have to say, I have this very specific memory of hearing her talking on the phone to somebody saying, probably in a very like heavy New Jersey accent, uh, I'm keeping my eyes and ears peeled for a new Honda. <laughs> and I think about it at least once a week. Like, I don't know why. There's just these moments where you're just like, and the, one of the reasons why it continues to stay in my head is because I think about it. And then I want, I think to myself, why do I remember you? Why am I remembering you? And by thinking that, it like makes the memory dig in deeper. It really does. It's so, it's funny because you start analyzing it and you're like, why were there, it, Honda dealerships are are all over suburban uh, New Jersey. Right. One I mean, would not need to keep their eyes. I think that it was the it was the peeled. keeping the eyes and ears peeled that part that like and and about it being a Honda like and for me I think that that always kind of stayed in my mind is just like huh Hondas must be like pretty okay cars. Like that was kind <laughs> of the thought for a Honda but like the keeping my eyes and ears peeled. It's interesting. Limited edition Accord. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't. I don't, you don't know. No, there's not that many of those around. Like, <laughs> you know. So yeah, I I don't know. You just mentioned that, and then it popped up again. And now that we're yeah, talking your about ears it, it's peeled. That's that, uh, that sounds painful. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was like Molly Gottlieb's uh, Miss Congeniality, uh, you know, <laughs> twist with with her character pulling the hair back. And by the way, shout out again to Molly and thanks to Molly. Yeah, for, thanks, Molly. That was uh, cool. For chatting and, you know, always uh, I love, you know, I, I always love we can't always have guests. And sometimes our recording schedule is so erratic and unpredictable. Uh, it really makes it challenging. But when we can uh, chat with someone, especially someone who is involved uh, you know, with the film we're talking about, uh, always a pleasure, especially pleasure when it's a kid who I knew and was a camp counselor for. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. That that was really cool. We don't have any actors from Lions for Lambs on this episode, uh, mostly because there aren't very many. Uh, it's a pretty small cast, and uh, yeah, there's but, you some know, pretty I, big I would... players in there. But I, I'd give an arm to interview pretty much any of them. Yeah, I, I agree. Actually, hold on a second. Hold on. So, pop quiz hotshot. Oh. I have met and conversed, not just like bumped elbow, like shook hands or whatever, and conversed with one of the cast members of Lions for Lambs. We'll see if you can if you can guess. But I, I was going to save that one until we went through the cast. Okay. See, my first guess would be the like... Well, it would, the let's, prick. Let's, let's okay. Let's I'm gonna do the synopsis. The I'm gonna do yeah. the synopsis, and then we'll go through the cast. So the synopsis we'll is kind of funky back. because this is one that bops between a few different storylines that are happening. Gen. Well, I mean, one of them happens in the past, uh, and it's very clear what, what which one is in the past. And then there's one that's happening kind of semi concurrently with another, and uh, well, it's like yeah. they're all happening concurrently, but there's. One of them, I guess technically two of them have flashback, have like a, there's like a flashback that kind of connects two of the stories. Right, right, right. Okay, so yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, all right. A college professor tells a promising yet privileged student about two former students from less desirable backgrounds who chose a military pathway in an effort to further their chances of ending up in grad school. But then also, a charismatic Republican senator attempts to influence a journalist to cover the story of their new attempt to surprise attack the Taliban by stationing troops on specific peaks in Iran, which is conflicting for her since she assumes that he is uh, that his attempt to position himself as a viable president. Sorry, I think I wrote this one weird. <laughs> which is it's, conflicting it's... for her since she assumes that this is an attempt to position himself as a viable presidential candidate. Concurrently, we see the end result. A helicopter is set to courier troops to a peak in Iraq, but is shot down by the Taliban, leaving two survivors stranded and wounded. They happen to be the students from earlier who just wanted a better chance at a proper education. I I mean, there's so much more to it. So, yeah. Right. So the cast includes uh, the director, Robert Redford, as the professor, 
And the privileged student is played by a very early in his career, Andrew Garfield. This is even pre-social uh, network. And yeah, yeah um, and then we have the the two students w- played by the two students from the past played by Michael Pena and Derek Luke, who are the soldiers who are the soldiers stranded on the peak. Exactly. And then we have Meryl Streep as the journalist Janine Roth and Tom Cruise as Senator Jasper Irving. And um, the other two people who are listed on Wikipedia are Peter Berg, who is the, right. the um, I don't know if he's their commanding Marines, officer, commander, commanding officer. And then we yeah. have uh, Kevin Dunn as the uh, Meryl Streep's, I guess, boss. Uh, the station manager or whatever. Well, not the station manager. Like station more like manager. the producer or like right. news editor. Maybe. Oh, it's, yeah, it says uh, ANX editor. So yeah, he yeah. I guess he's the the news editor for the news program, and that's a whole subplot about the network that she reports for. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's it, it it's it's fun because there's some part like there's one part where she talks about like a video that's the most downloaded and you have to remember this is 2007 this is just at the beginning of two years the after smartphone. YouTube came about yeah it's the year that the same iPhone year comes as the out. iPhone yeah yeah so, so yeah okay so who is it that uh, that you've had a run in with my guess it is one of the people that you named okay then my guess is going to be Derek Luke. Why is your guest Derek Luke? Because you've never mentioned it before, and he's the only person who I don't know. <laughs> Am I right? Ding, where's my bell to ring? <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yes, you are correct. It is Derek Luke. And uh, yes, there we go. Yes. Yes. Uh, so. And and here's my little my little story. So I met Derek Luke in uh, in 2002. Okay. So picture wow, five two- years before Lions for Lambs. Yes, I think about time so, as before Lions for Lambs and after Lions for Lambs. Right. So this is definitely BL4L and uh, before L4L or I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, I used to go to uh, so established. We are brothers. uh, And our mother used to belong to this. She had like a, a membership to this film series that she would go to at like the local AMC. And it was you would see things that were like more independent Mm -hmm. um, and things that were, you know, that were coming out soon. And they would usually have someone uh, someone there to to talk about the film. Uh, I want to say Christine Vachon was there for. uh, uh, Oh, what was what was she? um, She was a a a producer. I want to say it was for Dangerous Lives of Alter Boys. Okay. so, uh, but they did a screening of Antoine Fisher, a oh. film directed by Denzel Washington yes. and starring Derek Luke. I didn't realize that he was in that. Gotcha. And he's a uh, he's a Jersey boy. And uh, so Big I used to girls go. Don't cry. <laughs> what? Jersey boys. Oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> sorry, sorry. You know, for some reason, come on, you, Dan. You that was an actual one that like. That was that was the obvious one. That was the low hanging fruit. I know. I was on IMDb, and for some reason, you sang that, and I thought I was like Billy Joel, uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uptown Girl. That's uh, anyway. Back to Derek Luke. Um, so we chatted. Sorry, because real, the- sorry, real quick. Time out. I was uh, texting somebody before, and I was writing Bjork, and it autocorrected to Billy J. Go on. Go on. Okay, we're ricocheting Luke, tangents. Derek Luke. So, so Derek. Here's Luke, the thing, at the Dan. Time, here's the thing that we're not going to have a like too much to talk about for Lions for Lambs. I okay. I can't <laughs> beg to differ. Okay. Uh, I have quite a bit to say. I also watched this. I pretty. I kind of watched this movie twice uh, oh. over the last week. So I I kind of had it on once, and I was like doing things and paying attention. But I was like, but we got a baby coming in about a month, yeah. so I'm putting together baby stuff. And and I've got lines for lambs on in the background, and then I watched it again, and and really kind of you know I I focused in a lot more. So uh, I have insights here. Um, anyway, I was at the time an aspiring young actor, 
and uh, you know ad- asked Derek Luke for his you know words of advice and you Did know he just kind of like chatted with him about like uh did he i'm sure he did i i he's like work with denzel washington yeah yeah (laughs) first first tip right off the bat have you heard of denzel washington yeah have you heard of this guy denzel washington you should work work with him work with him work with him work with him and then (laughs) next robert redford uh yeah and then five years later well, yeah. I guess five years after, yeah, whatever. Anyway. No, but this is, but right. So uh, anyway, so that's how I ended up meeting, meeting Derek Luke. Okay. And that's, and that's all I have to say about that. I knew you were uh, going to say that. What, what I do want to say before going into the episode though, is that um, we are recording this uh, in the days following yes. Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So yes. I, I but I want to I want to note that as we're talking about this, I want to keep it keep that in context. And sure, uh, I think like you know usually we, you know we a lot of the movies we talk about are are a little less serious, and and we can be a little less serious with them. But I think going into talking about this movie, particularly the themes it it covers, uh, and like. You know, generally speaking, yeah, we, we don't want to, you know, make make light of of the loss of life. No, no, no. But um, I think this movie really lends itself to the current moment. And uh, that's that's kind of how I'm looking at it a lot. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that in a lot of ways, the themes of this movie uh, are extremely evergreen. And it just so happens that we're living in a moment right now where it's exceptionally prescient to, you know, bring up this idea of U.S. involvement in war and uh, and also the way that politicians can, uh, I don't know, interject themselves into foreign matters in a way that uh, can be very harmful in, a, in an effort to position themselves better. Right. Yes. And I think it's doubly prescient in that it talks about it, it, this. This movie is about the, uh, the, you know, the war in Afghanistan. Right. It's it's about, you know, fighting, uh, you know, in Afghanistan, a war that we, you know, our troops, you know, were just pulled from Afghanistan, you know, not a year ago. And yeah. we uh, it, it's it's still. Uh, very relevant. It's still very, you know, controversial. The idea of being, um, you know, of having our troops there and and then taking them out and what happens when we take them out. Right. And I feel like almost like this movie was this movie was made like while it was all still going on and when there yeah. really wasn't a a defined like we didn't know how things were going to end in Afghanistan. So I think watching it from our perspective now, it. it it works better. So this movie was not a, a, a financial success. Uh, no. it, critics kind of mostly gave it a, a pounding. Yeah. And yeah. So here's, here's my take on just the, the movie as a whole. I, it's not what I expected it was going to be. I thought it was going to be more war. And, and, and I think that's what most people were expecting and were disappointed when it was mostly talking and these little, you know, moments that take place in one location each. And uh, I think that for me, that worked a lot better because that's what I find more interesting. And I really enjoyed seeing how it uh, blended. I don't know, just it blended a lot of different things all into one to kind of give you a better understanding of the different players involved. And looking at it through the eyes of a... A promising student who comes from a privileged background, who seems to have like not a care in the world, and the way that his college professor makes him really consider, you know, looking at things from a different perspective and using these two former students who we are seeing at that moment going through the uh, the results of this this thing that's happening, this plot from this 
uh, you know, the senator that's, you know, trying to position himself in a, in a certain way with this one journalist. And the way that they talk to each other, I felt was really compelling. And it really had me paying attention in a way that I don't think that I would have if it was told completely from the, you know, battle perspective. Right. Well, and, and it's what I think works about this movie. I, and it's also why I think it works better now than it probably did in 2007. Yeah. And I, I also, I do want to come back to uh, the discussion of, of Irving and how the politicians are the ones I, what I love about the structure of this is that you see, you know, the people pulling the, the you see like the, Tom Cruise's character, Senator Irving is pulling the string, you know, is the one uh, pulling the strings, yeah. making, making the decisions. And he is, it's kind of like they cover all the bases in this where it's, you know, they talk about like, yes, he what he went to what West Point and right. like he does have some he never was in combat, but has some military like training. Right. So and and the way that also he uses Meryl Streep's character, Janine Roth, is that like she was the one to kind of position him as being like the future of the GOP. And it's kind of like, I uh, do you want to go back on your word or do you want to like, you know, prove yourself it's, right by, I don't know. It's, it's just a little touch that didn't necessarily need to be there, but made it work a lot better. I'm sorry. I interrupted the, you. No, not at all. The, the, the conflicts I, I are like there, there's a lot of complexity to it. And like the conflict of, of her character of Meryl Streep's character of like, Taking this and and like the moment when she recognizes that it's propaganda, she yeah. she does as much as say that, but and then when you realize and I I don't I didn't catch this until the second time around, but you know in the synopsis you were talking about how uh, the two uh, the Arian and Ernie the um, Derek yeah. Luke and and Michael Pena characters were like accidentally dropped onto that peak, yeah. Right. Which I mean, I don't I like I, I don't want to no spoilers, but I mean, it, they were like it comes out. They were used as bait. Right. To draw out Al Qaeda. And it's really and I, Tom Cruise, man, I, and this was I feel like this was during like the Tom Cruise rehabilitation tour that like, yeah. like started with like maybe around like I think wasn't Mission Impossible three like couch jumping time. <laughs> or was that after I, I you know I can't say for sure exactly what the timeline would have been um but I remember I, this was part of that career okay. re- it was like this and Valkyrie uh oh yeah Valkyrie I saw that in the theater that were like Tom Cruise is like we're gonna put Tom Cruise in some some big movies some serious movies but damned if he doesn't do a great he reminded uh, me so much of like Paul Ryan Remember yeah. Him? Oh, yeah. I thought that he was fantastic in this. I really enjoyed watching him. And, you know, these days you see him a lot more in the, you know, action movies, the Mission Impossibles. And, you know, he did the mummy and, uh, you know, stuff like that. And it's just like going, kind of going back and looking at some of these movies that maybe I missed at the time was like, man, he really is good when he is given like you know, a good script to work with and is with a good director. And he, you he know what? Hits. Let's let's play let's play one of the scenes that you're talking about between oh, yeah. uh, between the two of them. You're about to implement another new strategy, regardless of the human cost or the financial cost, because you predict we thought that deeply maybe about the human cost when we were planning y- this strategy. What were your estimates exactly? What I can say is that this strategy has patience and determination at its core. It ensures that it puts our fighting men in spots where they can face, fight, and kill the enemy so that we can then go about rebuilding that country. And if it takes 10 years, that's how long we stay. We do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Then why did it take three years to up-armor our Humvees? They're up-armored now at my constant urging. Add-ons don't provide the same protection. Senator, you know that. And why does the president insist on spending billions on subs and fighter planes that are completely useless in this kind of war? What do you think I'm working on? And why do we send 150,000 troops to a country that did not attack us and one-tenth that number to the one that did? How many times are you people going to ask the same question? Till we get the answer. 
Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I love their back and forth. They they play so well off of each other. And, you know, it's I, I don't know if she's asking all the questions that you would want to ask, but like wouldn't have the balls to ask <laughs> unless you were in her very particular position. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and I love, I also love that, like, you know, she's, it's another part of the whole picture is the media, the media that either sells the war right. or, or turns the public like, you know, turn, like puts the public in favor of the war or against it. And I mean, in a lot of ways, it's a, it's a much different ball game now. And like, you're seeing the roots of this, like with the part where she talks about like the most, most downloaded video, like that's yeah. the roots of today's with like, oh, it's, it's got like 6 million hits on YouTube in its first two hours up. Right. You know, that's the, uh, uh you know, that, I, that's, that's the development, but, um, coming back to the, to the structure, I love the idea that you have these you've got the the um you've got the politician talking about the plan. Mhm. You've got the soldiers I- enacting it. You've got the you've got the actual like you've got the chess pieces. Mhm. Basically, and then you've got the academics. You've got the people who are like who are talking about it and it kind of answers that question about, well, like what good is just is talking about it. And what you see from that between uh, Redford and Garfield's characters is that there's the possibility that talking about it can bring one of these people. And I, they go into it because, because Andrew Garfield is like, fine, why aren't you doing anything? Why aren't you a Senator? Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't have uh, a clip pulled from that necessarily, but I do want to play just a clip of Robert Redford and Andrew Garfield playing off of each other. This is kind of the beginning of their of their meeting with each other, because I just want to point out the great chemistry that they have together. And, uh, you know, Andrew Garfield right now is kind of in this huge boom in his career you know, yeah, tick, well, tick, 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 boom. boom. I did not mean to do that, but uh, tick, tick, boom. And, you but know, you of did, course, right uh, he was in a, a movie that um, I'm sure that the spoilers have gone out now uh, involves him and two other people playing essentially the same character. And, uh, you know, he's just kind of, I don't know, I'm I'm really happy for him because I- He's I really, nominated for an Academy Award is. for Best Actor. I, I, I mean, he's I having a he's, moment. I think he's fantastic. He does interesting movies like Under the Silver Lake and- He's, uh, I don't know, just kind of seems like a weirdo, and I appreciate uh, a lot of it, a lot of that about him. And you know, to see yeah. so early in his career how well he's able to play off of one of like, I don't know, the greatest like actors, a cinema legend. Yeah, yeah, and the way that they're able to play off each other is, and it just is incredible. So let's listen to just a little bit of their uh, dynamic. Yeah, uh, I don't know, Doc. I just. I've never ever been this busy in my life. What with? Well, just like all my other classes. Uh, this is your major. And there's also a young lady, too. Oh, yeah? Uh-huh. Was oh, this the one that you jockeyed to sit next to when you do come to my class? <laughs> no. <laughs> what else is keeping you busy? Uh, president of my fraternity. Hey. Uh-huh. Well, hail to the chief. Well, come on now. You're in a house, right? Yeah. Gotta remember how busy it can get. Oh, yeah. With the four-day weekends and the 30-minute yeah, no. study session. That's not what I mean. Well, you asked me what I remembered. All right, so uh, you, you, don't, you don't think the school should be as social as it is academic, kind of like getting two educations? Well, I think if you can't balance the two, you shouldn't be here. I also think that most of the kids that argue that one out loud are the guys with the 2.4s trying to justify 30 grand a year for all those Cs. <clears throat> okay, my friend. You've aced a lot of the exams you've shown up for. But you've only been to eight classes this semester. Now, that'd be a Hall of Fame run. We only met once a week. Yeah, so I don't know. I just really like the way that they play off of each other. Uh, And it gives you a lot of information about the kind of person that Robert Redford's character is. The kind of professor that you can feel comfortable, like, bullshitting with a little bit. And, uh, you know, just kind of, like, being real with. And that comes into play when we kind of go back in time and see him also interacting with... Uh, you know, Derek Luke and, and uh, Michael Pena's character. And um, 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, and just like that, the whole classroom in general, it's a bit of a lecture hall, but it's not like a huge class. And yeah, it is. But, but, the, but you can tell the students in that class feel the freedom to like, you know, th- like, so when, um, Arian and Ernie are giving their presentation to the, to the yeah. class, you know, their classmates don't have, like they know it's the type of environment where they can speak up and they can have a back and forth and they can even roast each other a little bit, which yeah, which they do. And the character in that class that speaks, that seems to speak up the most seems like another privileged white guy. Oh, and he's the whitest kid in yeah. the, he, I mean, I mean, he's all, all due respect. I, I hope I'm not offending anyone with the term. He's a ginger. Uh, it's true. Yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, of course, you know, uh, the characters of Arian and Ernest are are black and Mexican, and they don't seem to have the same comfort level, uh, you know, to until they're up in front of the class giving their presentation, and then once they kind of get fired up, then they start to kind of go back. And I I couldn't figure out exactly what exactly the the class was. I mean, it seemed like a political science. You know, yeah. uh, maybe just a general political science class or if it was like pol- like poli sci debate or something, because it seems like the whole idea is for people to get fired up and like chant at each other. <laughs> well, although their their whole presentation was about proposing maybe not legislation, kind of legislation. They're making a proposal that high school students uh devote their junior years so 11th grade yeah. not to academics but to public service yeah. of of some sort whether it's was it they say peace corps americorps right. um yeah. teach for america one of those yeah i yeah, remember americorps. uh just vaguely uh you know some of what they said but that's that was the gist of it yeah they were they they were talking about you know like that's their their proposal which uh you know there's definitely some uh some some holes in in it but yeah. it's but the, but their point their point is like the whole point of this is that like if you don't get engaged in what's going on what you're like what stake do you have in your democracy in democracy in your government right. in Everything and and I think it also touches upon the fact that a lot of, I think a lot of people, especially, um, I mean, I would say younger people, but I I think even you know, Gen, Gen Xers uh, and millennials don't recognize, don't see the impact of government and legislation on their lives, except for in the broadest of strokes. Sure. Yeah. Like, like taxes and like, okay. Like, like, like Joe Biden says, you know, okay, we are not like, we are not going to send troops uh, on the ground into mm-hmm. Ukraine. That's very broad strokes. That doesn't mean we, we are not going to have troops stationed in all of our NATO allies bordering yeah. That area. I mean, that's exactly you know what's happening. So, uh, not giving away military secrets here. So, <laughs> they've already been given away. If I know them, they're so, listening. So it's uh, I just I find it so so prescient. And I feel like this this movie um, it does work a lot in the broad strokes and in the generalizations, yeah. though not as. Uh, not, not as much as something like, and with all due respect to Aaron Sorkin, whose work I generally really enjoy, but Aaron Sorkin, especially with things like the West Wing, the strokes are even broader. Yeah. And, and it seems like this had, it's got a very Sorkin-y pace to it. Um, I mean, the, the screenwriter, uh, Matthew Michael Carnahan, um, you know, I checked out some of the other stuff that he's done and it's not like a huge filmography well but but similar similarly to this film dark waters with uh-huh. uh mark ruffalo sure um which very like i enjoyed a very lot. very yeah. good movie very you know interesting and uh state of play yep. which i've got a great state of play i i have a fun interesting when i saw state of play in the theater kind of story okay uh i really liked state of play so i'm happy to do that one sometime 
I really, yeah. Uh, okay, so maybe we'll we'll save that story for another okay. time. It's basically the the let's let's put it this way. It is the only movie that I have ever. I would say it's the only movie that I ever walked out of, but I did not walk out of it voluntarily. Okay. Cliffhanger for when we do our State of Play episode. Oh, man. Is it Restless Leg Syndrome? Is it The Runs? What's it going to be? Do you really want me to tell the story now and then just I'll retell it when we finally do State <laughs> yeah, of Play? I think so. Sure. Okay. So I was going to see State of Play with my my now wife, then girlfriend, and uh, she had we were going to like it was a late afternoon show. It was like maybe a 4 p.m. show, something like that, I think, on a weekend. And she was meeting or no, I think it was like earlier than that in in New York City. And she was meeting like her grad school friends for okay. brunch and got too drunk <sighs> to. And she's like, of course. And of course, like didn't eat anything like got like drank and then could not sit through the movie oh my god could not sit through and this was like she this is like this is one of those movies that that's like you know she's gonna like it yeah i'd say so i mean it's it's definitely one of my preferred genres which is like journalism movies you know where like it's journalistic like, political thriller yeah i think yeah. that that's i think this past like year or two that's when i've discovered like i think that's my like my zone that's your go-to genre i think that it's my go-to genre if i want to watch a movie that i'm going to be engaged in yeah i love the pace of it i love people doing stuff that they're like managing editors are not thrilled with and you know, like, but they're still gonna do it anyway. And right, and the managing editor like begrudgingly because they they're like, ah, oh, geez, I know you, yeah, you've never been wrong about this before, and you're like, you were only wrong about this that one time before, yeah. and and we had that big lawsuit from that congresswoman. And right, exactly. I, yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I no, no, no. I I I know and love the the genre. I um. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, those are great movies. I I tend to really enjoy. They're also like they're much more story based and yeah, yeah. They feel and they feel a lot more like I just love like the cinema of the nineteen seventies and especially those like you know intense type. Even like something like All the President's Men, uh, uh -huh. you know, or movies like Robbie The Conversation. Reds. So yeah, no, oh, yeah. yeah, Robert Redford all over that shit. Uh, and, <laughs> and yeah. Um, so we come back to lions for lambs. Yes. It's got this issue. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of like a, like an edge, like an edgier Sorkin where it's like still like didactic, but without the dramatic score, I guess. And yeah. With more profanity. And uh, a lot of people just sitting and talking rather than walking and talking. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe uh, they'll stand up for dramatic effect. There's a yeah. There's a couple of walk arounds, no walk and talks. There's uh, there's a lot of just sitting in. There's yeah, not a lot of location changes. No, I mean it goes between. You've got the the you've got Redford's office. You've got the uh, classroom. The uh, you've got hall. the classroom. You've got yeah. Tom Cruise's office. Yeah. You've got you've got the the news station where Street works, but not until the right. third act. Just a little you've bit. You've got you've got the battlefield. You've got the command center, and the inside of the chopper. Right. The inside. Yeah. Like briefly. I mean, you have the outside yeah. of the school building too, but where you see Andrew Garfield skillfully ride up on his bike right. with a drink carrier carrying two Starbucks coffees that do not spill a drop. And and that's another thing. And that's not specific to this movie, but a pet peeve of mine where it's just like, put literally anything in cups. You know, those like white coffee cups are not fooling anybody when you're like, Waving them around willy nilly. Oh, oh, you see, I thought I took it as a, a a characterization piece. I took it as like this kid's pretty slick. Like this this kid's pretty slick, and he's like I just feel like it's kind of like it's that move that like yeah. le like Fonzie move of like it, yeah, I'm gonna yeah, ride yeah. up on my bike with this drink tray. Oh, and... it's the white privilege move. 
Well, yeah, no, totally. Yeah. It's the way. Well, yes, exactly. But I feel like that was intentional in this. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no. When I say he doesn't spill a drop, it's not like calling it's just out. He's a cool guy. The lack of reality. Yeah. Yeah. It's the. It's that. It's that. Like I don't have a worry. I, I don't have a thing to worry about. I don't have fuck it. If I drop these coffees, I'm just going to go buy two more. Yeah. I'm not going to sweat it. Yeah. Like that's the thing. He's, yeah. He's the kind of kid who doesn't break a sweat. And man, like he, Andrew Garfield's so good. He's so good at that. He's uh, really good. He, he, yeah, he, he really is. Um, and then at the end when he's watching, he's back at the frat house watching the news and he sees the ticker at the bottom talking about this thing that's going on. You know, and, and to see the change in his character's demeanor is really fascinating. Yeah, from the beginning, where you could see, because it starts with him watching the new, or is it, is that, wait, does it start? It's not like, the ending isn't like the beginning again. I'm no. sorry. I'm no. No, 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 no. So it starts with him kind of watching the news and, and like, you could tell he it's registering with him. He's yeah. not shrugging it off. Um, but he's, you know, he's, uh, he's not ready to dive in yet. No. You know what movies, this movie, um, it, it, I feel like it kind of fits into a shub, a shub genre, a shrub <laughs> genre. Uh, a shrub a, genre is about plants. A shrub genre. Ed, Edward Scissorhands. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, but I feel like I was like, okay, this is the type of movie that if Crash was like, it's, it fits into that same. And I also think of Crash because Michael Pena. Michael Pena. Well, also like the movie Crash, I was not a big fan of, though I thought several of the performances were great, including, sure. and Michael Pena's I thought was the best in, in the movie. Yeah, but I felt, I felt like Crash was like hitting you over the head with a big cartoon sledgehammer that says message on it. And I felt it, it was like it was too much. And this movie, I think it has that same heavy handedness, but with a, with more nuance. Uh, yeah. And it's so this not and, like and, it's and also it's not trying to make it seem like it's a magic trick by having, you know, the storylines converge because this one, it's just like pay attention because you'll you'll see why these are all converging you know the entire time right. yeah well no yeah and they don't they don't converge in some no you know oh now all the characters like meryl streep is gonna call robert redford on the phone and oh they're exes or something like that right yeah like yeah it it, it it doesn't i like that it doesn't quite go to that length but i felt it kind of remind it reminded me of that because it was this movie that came out like an oscar season and didn't do anything. It clear it was not the year for this. This was the year of like no country for old men and there will yeah. be blood. So right. there, there, there was no space for lions for lambs. But I thought I was like, how is it that like you know, Crash can win Best Picture, Green Book can win Best Picture, and those are much more like yeah. didactic, heavy handed, kind of eh, worthy. Like they're not like they're. Like Green Book, at least, like I watched it on an airplane. It was fine. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. okay, I'm I'm enjoying this on an airplane. That's fine. But I was still like, I still have moments. Of, oh, okay. Uh, whereas Lions for Lambs, I had a couple of those moments where it's where it definitely was venturing into that territory, but it pulled back. And to come back to one of the the comments uh, in the intro, uh huh, yeah, the Roger Roger Ebert, sure quote. About uh, about it, it being well served as a radio play, sure. And and I think this brings us to our to you know what are we going to do with this? Yeah. But the reason why I I wouldn't why I I don't know if I agree a hundred percent is because there are moments where you see expressions on faces in close ups, and it happens with with. Definitely happens with Tom Cruise. Definitely happens mm -hmm. with Andrew Garfield. Definitely happens yeah. with Meryl Streep. Uh, it doesn't happen as much because Redford's character doesn't really go through a change. No, he doesn't go through a change. But when you see the looks of realization on his face, especially when he's talking with, um, you know, the two students at the beginning, you know, Derek yeah. Luke and Michael Pena, you know, when uh, especially when he's with them 
he takes them to lunch and to kind of experience their back and forth and and there's a lot more going on in his mind there because that's the only moment where he's learning something uh, right you know in the one with andrew garfield he's you know educating and the thing with the lecture hall he's being professorial i i'd say and and kind of uh stoking the fires of the you know hot debate but uh yeah it's in that scene where he's out to lunch with the two guys where it's uh you see more of his response to things and his reactions mm-hmm. to things and kind of the way that he's processing because he is concerned that he gave them the idea to enlist in the military even though like they state that you know he he didn't they did it you know, on their own. And there is this idea that because he had served in Vietnam, it was kind of like his influence on that. And he tells them like, well, I didn't enlist. I was drafted. And, you know, there's, I don't know, a a lot more to his character in that scene than in any of his other scenes. So anyway, to go back to what you're saying, yes, absolutely. And I think there's just a lot of emotion that goes into also moments where you see, uh, Meryl Streep's character when um, Tom Cruise's character leaves his office and she's kind of looking around at the, uh, you know, clippings and stuff, the things that are framed on his walls. And also like when you, yeah, I mean, you see the pictures of him with like George W. Bush and, you know, stuff like that, where it's just like those add so much texture to the, like the complete story of what his character is about. And um yeah, for those reasons, I think that radio play wouldn't necessarily feel, I don't know, complete enough. It would, it, like, it would, it would take. You could away, tell the story, but it, it would take away a lot of the nuance. It would take away a lot. Yeah. And and by the way, speaking of uh, performances and moments with nuance, Peter Berg, who plays the the yeah. commanding officer, uh, um, because when he's first telling them the mission. It's he's spewing it. It it's propaganda. He's just spitting out the propaganda that he's given, and it's it's very you know hoorah, uh, you know yeah. gung ho. But he and but he turns back on that when he realizes what's going on, and the moments and watching them. And I thought it was such a, a, a effective touch to have these scenes where. He and and the other, um, you know, officers are watching this like night vision satellite yeah. imagery of of uh, Arian and, and Ernie, you know, trapped and surrounded by yeah. Al Qaeda. It's and it's like just they're so helpless. And there's a great transition where. Uh, yeah, let's let's listen to that. Yeah. Right? Let's listen. To yes. That. Yes. In the air, but vector them halfway between Pamela left and us. We're not going to put them in that same gauntlet. Put them in a holding pattern till we know what's going on. Can we see anything? You got a predator up? I don't know for how long. Cold front's still coming. G2 says it's packing big snow, maybe 70 mile an hour. All right, I want to see as much as I can for as long as I can. What's ETA in getting a fast mover out there? I got there? a warthog that'll take 20, 25 minutes to get out there, but the margin is safe. Scramble it. Do it. I would love to talk to the motherfucker that said this mountaintop was secure. Afghan terrain demands that small, specialized teams establish forward operating points. I've heard of forward operating bases, but not forward operating points. Point sounds smaller than base. Because it is. What? Say it. Sorry, no. I I, I just, uh, it also sounds like Pentagonese for bait. Janine, it's not like we're putting one or two guys on the mountain here. So uh, I, exactly I let that play a little bit longer. Yeah, doing. I let that play a little longer because I love that part. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I know that we're talking about how this wouldn't play as a radio play and we're playing audio clips from a movie. <laughs> right, but uh, but with the yeah. recommendation that if if you're if you like what you're hearing, yeah, then I also want to I also want to point out the the difference in the the score from when you go from one scene to the next where it's like this like boom 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 boom. Oh, boom, I really boom, like the score. And then it goes yeah. to nothing. It goes to nothing, and because it's like the, he doesn't—he's not the senator's not feeling the pressure, because he's—he's the guy who's just like this is the way it's gonna go, and it's gonna be great, and it's a great idea, and uh, you know this is what's gonna you know 
put me up there and you know <laughs> in history is coming up with this brilliant plan and well, every, he's I'm probably... just so cool and confident and she makes a, a good observation she makes a good point and in, in another part where i don't think i have a clip for it but she's just like yeah it's easy for you to say you're sitting here in the air-conditioned office and it's so true and it, and it, oh, it works yeah. so well that like they're feeling all this pressure you hear this like bump 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 music and yeah just going straight to him where it's just like nothing well, right. I think they they said, yeah, I, I really like that. And I think that they they I don't know, maybe do you think that they're 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 giving the message that uh, a lot of these politicians who go to military schools yeah. do that so that they have the so that they have the like whatever, quote unquote, credibility yeah, to make these decisions. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's so there's there's a lot in in this movie. Uh, there's a lot going on. And I, I do think that it's something that it, if it perhaps was not appealing in 2007, uh, it may be appealing. I mean, you know, it, it's definitely hitting uh, a little closer to home uh, this week. And I, I, I mean, de figuratively, definitely figuratively um, yeah. closer to home. But uh, so I, I guess, John, unless uh, you have anything else to add, no, uh, no, no, no. I'm. I'm I'm ready to, uh, to yeah go, yeah to so uh, you know we certainly heard from Roger Ebert what is it that you might do given the opportunity to bring this property back somehow okay so I had a couple of ideas and so uh, you know of course the the idea of a stage play popped into my head and I could mm -hmm. I could see how it would be I had the staged. same thought yeah. I could really, in fact, I would do it uh, if if I could if I could have it where uh, the center of the stage was kind of a you know a rotating set between. I, knew, I was thinking the same thing. Right, and then were were you thinking to have on either like extreme like side of the stage, Arian and Ernie stationed? Because I was thinking I was like the visual that because when you're thinking about when you're staging a play. You want to use visual meaning, and I thought, yeah. well, if you have them on either on either, if you have them on either side of the stage, you have like far stage left, far stage right, maybe like down down stage, uh, especially if you have a theater where you have like a little bit of stage in front of the, uh, you know, like the proscenium, uh, sure, on the sides there to have them stationed there, and then to have all of the talking happening in the middle, so that your visual representation is these guys lives in the balances yeah no that's interesting and having them and having the center and you could have them even come in to do the scenes that are the flashbacks where they're addressing yeah. the and in fact i would put instead of having redford be in his office i would have him meeting with andrew garfield in the classroom sure yeah and one uh set yeah well also I, well, well also because if you have because you've got off you've got irving's office and then what you're gonna go to a different office oh, yeah no well and, then and i think that that also but 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 uh i mean having the juxtaposition between the senators like you know very just so office you know the guy who's actually you know essentially pulling the strings who's making things kind of go into motion but having this like very like everything is in its place office that's like huge and then like the cramped shit all over the place office of the you know political science professor who's you know actually yeah. experienced you know knows what things are like especially considering he's actually been in war right right yeah yeah i mean i don't know i guess the other the other thought i had was if you're going to get creative with staging is that you would actually have them um, stationed somewhere like in the house, you would have uh -huh. them because they're talking about what's happening. They're talking about what the politicians are doing and what the military is doing. So to have them not, not almost like think of a Statler and Waldorf, but yeah. not where they're directly commenting on that. But I'm just thinking of like different interesting ways you could you could stage this and even in different venues, the armory in, in New York city, fifth Avenue armory would be, mm -hmm. uh, a well, really cool I, I mean, I was also just thinking about how you could totally use that type of thing where like you have the scene where, where, um, Ernie and Arian are do, doing their presentation. You could just have them up there with an overhead projector and then have like the privileged white kid in the audience shouting out oh. and, you know, kind of doing it that way. Yeah. 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 You totally have have uh, 
have have plants and uh you know have that be the i you, you could make it you could make it work um yeah. but i i was thinking about that and i'm like well that's that's kind of broadening the strokes yeah uh a lot a lot more you're by you're playing into the theatricality of it whereas as a series I think in, you know, uh, HBO would do and I say HBO and it's now really like it used to be where HBO was really the, the place that was producing things like this. And now it's really most, uh, you know, streamers, uh, right. you know, could do this. But to have a series where, uh, you know, maybe you rotate between the three concurrent storylines, ep- you know, every three episodes and uh-huh. where in where instead of broadening what you have in the movie, it goes into more detail. Maybe like you get more of the lives of these characters outside. And mm-hmm. I was thinking I was trying to think about I was like, well, I'm like casting. I was like, damn, Andrew Garfield could probably still pull it off. But <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Somebody I, posted you know, something online, like a picture of him from like maybe the social network and then a picture of him from now. And it's like, um, he looks younger now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he, and there are a few other changes that I that I would make. And I would. So like maybe someone playing that role. I was, I was like, if you go to TV, who would be good? Like maybe uh, if you could easily, you know, gender, I don't think makes a difference with, with, with that role or most of them really. Uh, yeah. But like Julia Garner oh. is someone who I well, could see. she is white hot right now. But I could see her having that, like being the, like, I'm wrapped up in all of my, all of my shit. Like, um, you know, part of, the, especially like this, the I generation uh, or the, the Gen Y uh, you know, kind of like a lot of a lot of that, like very like very social media oriented. Yeah. But also has this like maybe and maybe that's a conversation that could happen between her and the professor played by Jeffrey Wright. Uh, and <laughs> Jeffrey uh, Wright be great. He always looks I, very professorial. I mean, yeah. Uh, so to have her to have him, you know, be like, yeah, I like you repost a lot of things from you know UNICEF and you you repost a lot of me but like what are you actually doing so playing more into the right. you know keyboard social media warrior uh i was thinking you could recast uh you could recast the uh Jasper Irving the Tom Cruise role yeah. to be more like maybe a Marjorie Taylor Green character and i was like man Reese right. Witherspoon well here's the thing about that character is that and yeah, maybe somebody like Reese Witherspoon could pull something like that off, but he is just so like charismatic and like uh, super like the grin on the face and just like, you know, he wins people over with his charm kind of a, a mentality. And then I sent you the only note that I took about this movie, my yes. my notes app. <laughs> what was the teeth whitening budget on this movie? Everybody's teeth are pristine white. And I'm glad you pointed that out because you you pointed that out before the second time I watched the movie. So I was watching for that <laughs> and I was definitely thinking, I was like, well, Tom Cruise, prob- like his teeth are always that That makes white. sense. But for like Andrew Garfield and Robert Redford, like Robert, I mean, college professor, he should have coffee stained teeth. Yes. Robert Redford's yeah. teeth were di- were artificially whitened, not digitally. I think it was, I was, I was like, did they digitally whiten the teeth? Nope. Actual yeah. teeth white, but yeah, no, his teeth. I, when I looked at him, I was like, yeah, no. It's uh, like they all just got they got, like everybody veneers like yeah. that day. Yeah, I, I yeah. So, uh, but yes, um, but I, yeah. So I was thinking in that. Di- I was I was kind of thinking in that direction. Um, I mean, like Adam Scott. If you were going to keep the role similar, like Adam Scott would be. Um, you know, c- could really pull that off among others. Uh-huh. I was thinking Kerry Washington uh as as the the reporter. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. you know, I feel like she's kind of like scandal ended and she did that those little fires everywhere. Right, yeah. And she's so talented. I feel like she needs like she needs more and this is very it, like if you look at her work in Scandal, 
it, 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 you know, she shows like she could pull this off. Of course, it, it's HBO, so they would either cast Amy Adams or Nicole Kidman. Uh, uh, yeah, right. You know, whoever's turn it is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, uh, hopefully Amy Adams. <laughs> I'm like, Amy, I, I mean, I mean, really, yeah, there's there's so many. Uh, there's really a lot of uh, there's so much talent. Uh, out there, I mean, Allison Pill is someone who I know. She, like, well, right, but now we're getting into like newsroom territory. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so, all right. Uh, okay. You know, and you know who I would have as the, um, you know, Meryl Streep's character's editor, Kevin Dunn. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> Kevin Dunn. I love Kevin Dunn as just like the worn out. He's like, always so good. Yeah, lives Has on that man ever been? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Washington DC like this is I feel like this is the like the new phase in his career where where it used to be like playing the you know whatever like sympathetic like he's John Candy's brother in only the lonely right and, uh you know those those kind of roles to now where he's just like he's that Washington whether he's media or like his role and on Veep, Veep. Yeah. oh so good he's so good Kevin Dunn is fantastic yeah big uh, shout out to Kevin Dunn yeah. Huge fans. Uh, yeah. Um yeah, it's like so consistent for such a long time. And I'm so embarrassed that like I can't think of more stuff that he's in because he's in so much. And he's like, great. He's run the gamut in terms of like genre. He's like him and Brian Brian Doyle Murray. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. It's like I can do Caddyshack and JFK. Uh yeah. Uh, so yeah, so anyway, so so you were thinking uh, a play? Uh, yeah, I mean that's kind of uh, Honestly, this was a really difficult one uh, for a, a number of reasons. I think mostly just because of the, the the themes behind it, because it's a it's a fictional story about a real war, and um, you know that that does make it a little bit challenging because you don't want to be uh, exploitative in terms of like unless you did it like you know uh, following. Uh, different wars in history like the revolutionary war like telling you know just concurrent stories about you know things from different you know i i don't know i i don't think it would work as well i mean that's a pretty extreme example but like i i don't know that's but that's where i started to but go then but then I, I was but but that's just where i started yeah. to go and then i was thinking like stage play would be really good because it's so dialogue driven and, uh, you know, the the visual moments that you do see, and especially when it comes to things like those overhead projections or the screen where it shows the like infrared or whatever it was, you know, it's like those could be projections like those could be there's Easily. totally ways to do that. Um, and or like Meryl Streep seeing the, you know, all those different accolades and photos on the wall and everything like that could totally work as projection or it could just be kind of written differently to make it better for the stage. But like it's all it seems like it's already there for it. I even checked to see if um, if the screenwriter, Matthew uh, Michael Carnahan, had, um, you know, written anything for the stage, but I couldn't see any. I didn't see anything no. about that because yeah. it seems like it was designed that way or it's something it's a choice that robert redford made to make it feel more intense or something he maybe or i, I don't know there's always people I, doctoring scripts and stuff like that so who knows i mean here's the thing it's like i don't think anyone's jonesing for a new like iteration of lions for lambs but i do feel that it it, it was underseen when it came out for like for for good reasons, yeah. legitimate reasons. But I do think it's worth coming back to, especially because it's the type of of um, drama that can help people better understand like these global uh, right. like military operations and politics i mean yeah it still yeah. comes across a lot as of liberal. the a lot of the reviews that i read for it were kind of panning it for being like super ultra liberal and i mean maybe because that's kind of where i stand on things i was just like but no it's it's just that it's pointing out what you don't want to see you know i was like totally getting up well, <laughs> up in arms about it yeah <laughs> i mean look it is it is liberal it doesn't mean it's wrong it's yeah no totally 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 yeah so uh yeah, I don't know. Um, 
it's one of those for me that uh, up until this week just kind of got away. And I, I don't know. I, I'm glad that it was something that we were able to revisit. Mostly thanks to this song that we're going to play in about a minute. <laughs> so uh, before we get to that, Dan, I've got to ask you, um, what are we going to be talking about on our next episode? I tried to get the title in somewhere, but I really couldn't find a well, way to get I, it. It's very the, specific. I, 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 I had to work some hints. I had to, uh, right, early on. because the, the title is very specific. But when we're talking about things getting away from us and, yeah. um, you know, giving an arm for something. And, yeah. Jonesing, as in Tommy. Oh, I didn't even Lee. notice that. One. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I was about to suggest maybe Harrison Ford uh, steps in for the Robert Red Redford. No. <laughs> Robert Red Harrison Ford. Well, he's so got the red hair, so he's the you know the red Ford. Yeah, and before we say any Julianne Moore, uh <laughs> Uh, I know John just wants to seal it, ward off all of these puns. I want to see how you're going to fit in Jane Lynch. Ah, uh, well, I don't, uh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Is what no, I'm saying. No, I'm not going to fit in. You know, the, the, the whole Jane Lynch pin of this is. Yeah, that's the only way to do it. I, that was so, the only way. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. we're 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 talking about the fugitive in uh, 1993. Andrew Davis uh, with Harrison yes. Ford, Tommy Lee Jones, and uh, if Joey anybody. Pants, if anybody's wondering how this fits into our March movies, uh, if you watch with a close eye, it takes place during March. So you don't need that close of an eye. Well, you don't need you that don't close need to of keep an your eye. Eyes and ears peeled. If, for you don't have to keep your eyes and ears peeled for a new Honda. But if you pay attention to one particular scene, then you'll know what we're talking about. So with that, and, and, Dan, and it has very much to do with March on multiple levels. Yes, I agree. That's that Mm -hmm. particular scene. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, Dan, as uh, as you are running to a time machine to go back and watch Lions for Lambs, I don't know. I wish you a good journey. Good journey. Show. 